0: I want to be very clear. We're going to head back to our top story today. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau taking the unprecedented step of invoking the Emergencies Act to try to end those anti government blockades. It's the first time the act will be used since it came into force in uh, 1988. The Prime Minister says it's not the first option or even the second or third, but says it's time to end the blockades. And he says it is time uh, to do it because they are illegal illegal and have nothing to do with peaceful protest he says the act will be used to protect critical infrastructure infrastructure such as borders and airports from the blockades and is creating time limited powers that do not already exist the prime minister saying it will give the police more tools to handle the situation the police will be given more tools To restore order in places where public assemblies can constitute illegal and dangerous activities, such as blockades and occupations as seen in Ottawa, the Ambassador Bridge, and elsewhere. These tools include strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment. The government will designate, secure, and protect places and infrastructure that are critical to our economy and people's jobs, including border crossings and airports. We cannot and will not allow illegal and dangerous activities to continue was the prime minister a short time ago the deputy minister and finance minister christia freeland also today saying the government is broadening the scope of anti-money laundering rules to cover crowdfunding sites which it says are being used to support the illegal blockades uh, christia freeland went on to say that companies with trucks involved in the blockades will also face consequences if your truck is being used
1: in these illegal blockades your corporate accounts will be be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle
0: will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. So commercial uh, financial accounts uh, frozen, insurance pulled if you use your truck uh, in, in, a, in a illegal activity. Uh, putting the hammer down this afternoon. What will it do? Dr. Melanie Thomas joining me this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Thomas is an associate professor of political scientist at the University of Calgary. Dr. Thomas, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Your uh, your reaction to the news today. So,
1: like a lot of a lot of this stuff, I feel like I don't have complete information, and so I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall with the premier with the prime minister and the meeting with the premiers because. What's striking is that the hammer is coming down with this, um, and the hammer is coming down. So, your listeners know the Emergency Measures Act. One of the things that it does is it allows the federal government to take, um, to start acting in areas of provincial jurisdiction um, that it otherwise wouldn't be able to on for like an emergency need. And so, I think many of your listeners would be like, yeah, if the border down at Coots, say, has been blocked for an extensive period of time and Like it's looking like the RCMP arrested 11 folks with a cache of guns Mm. and a whole bunch of ammunition down there today. And so to say that this is not a crisis would be misrepresenting what's going on, right? And so this particular act is being invoked. And to me, reading between the lines, it looks like the federal government uh, is doing this because provincial governments have been slow to act. And so one of the criticisms that I have of invoking something like going and dropping this hammer this hard um, is it raises a question, why haven't uh, other levels of government used the tools that they have uh. in the criminal code within the scope of their own jurisdiction to act on this? And to me, it seems like the premier of Alberta um, has been, uh, I don't want to say uniquely unwilling, but been consistently unwilling to address, in particular, the Coots blockade. And I know some folks might say, but borders are federal jurisdiction. And it's like, yeah, but the highway by My- Milk River is not. And so, in that sense, when the Premier comes back and says, in response to the Prime Minister saying, I'm invoking this um, so that we can enact some things to, like, clear this stuff and get it done, and the Premier says, no, no, we don't need it, like, I'm sceptical because because there seems to be a distinct lack of urgency locally here. Mm. But the other thing I would say is that I think those of us who aren't in Ottawa don't fully appreciate just how much of a mess that is. I mean, the things that I've seen... Um, are pretty horrifying. I know that uh, for people saying, like, this isn't as bad as what people think. Like, there's a thing our brains do. It's called normalcy bias. <laughs> and so it makes us um, make things that are really atypical and abnormal seem more normal so that we don't freak out as much about it. And the things that I'm seeing coming out of Ottawa, um, seeing those folks arrested with that kind of weapons cache at Coots, like, this is alarming, and people should be very, very worried about it. And I think we should also be really worried that some leaders who have base and scope to act, seem to be willing to just let this run in a way that... And the problem with letting this run is that the actions that are being taken are actually actively anti-democratic. Like, this isn't a protest. Protests don't involve, like, blocking major, like, points of entry for borders, right? Like, protests can do a lot of things. Protests are meant to be disruptive. But there's a difference between engaging that kind of protest to try to make points, Uh, and engaging that kind of protest for seditionist reasons. And so, Mm -hmm. like, to me, it's imperative that very, I I agree with the Prime Minister that very little of this appears to be about COVID now. And also folks, uh, I think, uh, who are, like, sitting in hot tubs in Ottawa or um, blocking the highway by coots, uh, places along those lines, if there's no consequences for their actions... Uh, then uh, simply telling them you've made your point, now go home, it, it's, they're going to be like, why? Like, in that sense, it's not persuasive. That's why sanctions have to come along alongside this, which is... And if other levels of government aren't prepared to act or feel like they simply aren't able to, then this is why the emergency act comes in
0: at a time like this. Dr. Thomas, I'm curious to know your your thoughts on how this is going to play out for for politicians over the coming weeks and months. I mean, we know that yeah. Premier Kenny has a leadership review coming up. Uh, there's a provincial election next year. Trudeau, of course, a minority government uh, which is only four months old. What it could mean for his leadership and, and the federal Conservatives as it tries to bring the party together, unite yeah. this party. Uh, you know, as it continues on with. The search for a new leader, as well. I mean, I think that this is going to be um, fascinating. It's uh, who's going to survive.
1: Well, it's fascinating, but like my worry now is whether or not Canadian democracy will actually survive this. And mm. if that sounds alarmist, I would say normalcy bias, but also. We've been looking at this, um, and there have been the, the seeds for some of the more seditionist stuff have been planted uh, as back, far back as 2015. So some of this stuff is certainly like coming up from over the border, and my American colleagues have researched this much more extensively. In part because things have happened a little bit earlier there and have been connected to things like the American presidency, which makes it when we're looking at individual level motivations easier to study than some of the stuff that we're seeing here. But things that have concerned me since 2015, when people see an election result that they don't like, uh-huh. their solution is to say, well, we just need to have another election until I get the result that I like. And so we saw this in Alberta with the whole coup d'etat, and I think people found that to be pretty risible at the time, except that. Um, amplify this into 2019, and this is when, during the federal election campaign, a few months after he was elected, Premier Kenney went to campaign in Ontario saying, quote, Justin Trudeau is an existential threat to Alberta. Now, this wasn't an effective way to campaign in Ontario, but even saying this, what it does is it stokes an us-versus-them mentality, asking individual people, specifically conservative partisans, to see anybody who's not their party as an enemy, specifically to see Justin Trudeau as the other, research shows that for folks who find this particular way of seeing their party identification to resonate, um, it's really easy to keep them angry. Um, because And there's short-term gains for keeping people angry. Angry people volunteer, angry people donate. The problem, though, is that you can't control the anger once it gets let out. Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of this, Um, as people who are really angry. They're angry in ways where they clearly identify Justin Trudeau specifically as the other. This is where you see the expletive Trudeau signs. But there's also a whole bunch of other really um, ugly things that are tied up into this. And what I find concerning, and this is why I worry about the state of Canadian democracy, is that when this comes to specifically things like a leadership review within a United Conservative Party that doesn't seem very united... When you see a leader being dumped in the middle of this context by the official opposition and then one of the primary leadership candidates in that context coming up and explicitly like supporting many of the things that we see within um, these seditionist-like actions, either like taking over downtown Ottawa or the Coots border, what this suggests to me is that um, some political elites are more interested in Maintaining a grip on power or working so that people that they don't like, the other, cannot mm. have access to power. Uh, and to do that, they're prepared to extend the right flank of a party that's not very united to include some pretty anti-democratic sentiments and some pretty anti-democratic attitudes and things that Canadians on the whole very clearly reject, right? And so this is why you can't ignore that, like, down the block from, like, people who want to say that they're good on as protesters are folks with Nazi flags. This is why it should alarm us. I was out on Saturday getting uh, my stepkid a haircut, and outside of the barbershop was a truck flying the red ensign flag, which is, in that context, a symbol of white supremacy support. And so, like, there are this is why I say resist the normalcy bias. This is bad. Playing footsies with these ideas and, like, not actively taking steps early to lock a lot of this stuff down and to repudiate many of the motivating ideas. It's really corrosive and it's really toxic. And a lot of the reasons why some political elites aren't showing that kind of leadership is because in the short term, myopically, it, is, it seems very effective to them. They get, they get a payoff. And as a result, they don't want to lose that donor. They don't want to lose that volunteer, which is why they don't set the boundary, which is why you end up needing to invoke the Emergency Act.
0: Dr. Thomas, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time this afternoon. Always appreciate your insights. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Take care. Dr. Melanie Thomas is an associate professor in uh, political science at the University of Calgary.